Hey, this is Erin. And Melissa. And we're Trending Spokane, a weekly podcast all about the latest in the Lilac City. Finding out what is happening right now in Spokane can be overwhelming, but not if you're an insider. Join us as we shine light onto the latest happenings and chat about the future of our city. Each episode will introduce you to people you want to know, places you need to visit, and local knowledge you can't live without. We will help you get out and get involved. Episodes are dropping soon, and make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts now. Today, we are chatting with Catherine Tate of Tate Law Offices about what can be sensitive subjects around estate planning, wills and trusts, how to handle blended families, and more. Our guest today was born and raised in Spokane Valley, Washington. She graduated from East Valley High School in 2008. Catherine received her Bachelor of Arts degree from Carroll College in Helena, Montana in 2012, and her Juris Doctorate degree from Willamette University College of Law in Salem, Oregon. While at law school, Catherine worked at the International Human and Refugee Rights Clinic, that's awesome, at Willamette University Clinical Law Program, was the editor-in-chief of the Willamette Journal of International Law and Dispute Resolution, and participated in the Shanghai China Summer Study Abroad Program. Wow, that is so impressive. After law school, she also trained in sports management and earned an athlete management certificate from Sports Management Worldwide in Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks for having me. It's Good to be here. <laughs> you have such an impressive background, and we'd love to dive into as much of that as possible. But can you um, tell us what made you focus on estate planning and an elder law in particular? Yeah. So when I first got out of uh, law school, I got hired at a family law firm down in Pendleton, Oregon, where I was doing mostly divorces and custody battles. Um, and I did not like that at all. It was very um, emotionally taxing, um, just, you know, destroying families, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so one of the partners that I worked for at that law firm did a lot of estate planning as well. And so he would pass off a lot of those cases to me. And I used to really, really enjoy when he would do that because I could pass off, you know, shoved to the side the custody and divorces and do something that was um, helpful to people. And it was interesting. And so when I decided to move back back home to Spokane, I decided to open it up on my own and and do what I loved to do. That is so incredible. And I can totally understand and empathize and relate that divorce law would be really challenging. I see so many divorce lawyers have such a heavy emotional burden. And while estate planning can be difficult, especially when you're at the resolution stage and you're trying to execute those orders, um, it can be so helpful for families to have peace of mind. And I know it's an intimidating process for some people. I know my own parents, mom and dad, this is a reminder to you to get your estate planning done. Um it can be so intimidating because people don't like thinking about their own own mortality, but it happens to everyone. And if you're unprepared, it's like, you know, getting a driver's license without actually doing any preparation. You're not going to be in a very good position if you just happen to pass away suddenly and then your family is left scrambling. Um, many people don't really understand that importance. Is there one product or one service that you offer that every single person needs? Yeah. So what I – The basic package that I have is what I call a basic um, will-based plan. So that includes wills, financial power of attorneys, medical power of attorneys, medical directives, also known as a living will, um, and a HIPAA authorization form. So those are forms that everybody really needs. Anybody over the age of 18, quite honestly, needs those plans. Um, 
you know, somebody might not have all the property necessarily, but they definitely need to have the medical documents in place if, you know, you never know when an accident can happen. Um, you know, you read about it in the news and see it on the news every day where there's an accident and people didn't have things um, set in place. So those are the documents everybody really needs. Um, and then depending on your situation, you may need more. Yeah. And people, I think, underestimate the importance of a power of attorney and a living will. Um, I've seen so, you know, working in hospitals as a teenager, you see so many challenging circumstances where someone has a sudden accident and they are not, you know, they're in a vegetative state. They're not able to take, to care for their own needs. And then the family is so incredibly stressed trying to decide what to do and what that person would want. I think that's something that a lot of people underestimate. You really put a significant burden on the people around you when you don't plan for things like that. And it isn't morbid and it isn't, you know, strange. It's just thinking about the possibilities and making decisions that protect you and protect your family in the instance of an event like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so as a busy professional listening to this podcast, we all have <laughs> so many things to do and so little time to accomplish them. How long would you say it takes the average person to go through that planning process that you just described? How long should they prepare to sit down? Should they do something ahead of time with like their spouse or their family and then come to you? Or what's the best best case scenario? Yeah, so it definitely helps if they kind of talk through things with their spouse um, ahead of time, just to kind of get an idea, especially if, if they have minor children, um, kind of getting an idea of who they would both want to be named as the guardian for the kids um, and things of that nature. But it's not 100% necessary to do that. Um, my initial consultation is always free. It's uh, generally a one hour, sometimes goes to two hours lawn where we kind of just sit down, go over their situation, finances, family dynamics, um, and kind of get into all of that. So if they've discussed it ahead of time a little bit already, that definitely helps that meeting go a little bit quicker. Um, but I've got a lot of people who come in and they've never, never really talked about it. So it's something that we kind of dive into, discuss, kind of iron things out. Um, so like I said, that first meeting about an hour to two hours, um, but f the whole process from when clients hire me to when we're done, I'd say 90% of the time we're able to get it done in a month to a month and a half time frame. So it really doesn't take all that long. Um, I do, you know, have the outliers sometimes when they, you know, can't make decisions on things and have um, disagreements or need to check with family members to make sure that they'd be willing to serve in certain roles. <laughs> so when you are trying to pl plan, do some estate planning for a family that's blended, what are common mistakes you see people make and what are common, yeah, things like pitfalls they should look out for? Yeah, so there's definitely some common mistakes where, um, you know, when you're married to your spouse you always think that they're going to do the best for, for you and for your family, for your kids as well. Um, but I've seen several scenarios where, you know, one spouse passes away, the other comes in. And if they only had a will, there is the potential for that second spouse to essentially cut out the children of the spouse who died first um, by redoing the will. And so there's certain provisions either directly within a will that you can put in to prevent that. Um, but more often than not, in blended family situations, a revocable trust is more appropriate, um, where you freeze essentially um, 
half of the estate, the half that is associated with the deceased spouse, and make sure that that portion at least goes to who they designate. And then the survivor would be able to still change the the other half, the half that would be attributed to them. That's what happened with my grandfather and grandmother because my grandmother died on my dad's side when he was 16 years old. And they left five kids, you know, all without a mom. And so she made sure prior to her passing that she had a trust established for them. And the person he remarried was not great. And she's since passed away. And so has he. So I don't feel as like, ugh, you know, about talking about it. But it was really challenging and stressful for the whole family. And they were so – they had so much peace of mind because all of those assets were protected. They continued to grow over her lifetime. And when the family needed it, they were able to utilize those funds to help, you know, with college, you know, expenses or whatever it was that they had coming. And it's it's a really – helpful tool for anyone who's going through that kind of process, and especially if you have children. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who are looking to get the basic services that you have available for um, your will, your power of attorney, your living will, what would the range of cost be for an average family? And I know that that's a very loaded question, which is why you're smiling, because it can vary depending on you know how many people are involved in that process, how many kids you have. There's so much breadth there, but what would be the average ballpark from the low end to the high end? And obviously the high end could be infinity, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so your listeners are going to hate me. I'm not going to specifically answer that because it depends on what attorney you go to. There are some attorneys in the area who charge a very high amount. There's Mm -hmm. some that charge very low amount. Most of the attorneys in the area charge kind of an average ballpark. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's one of those subjects that's kind of touchy. So it really does Mm -hmm. depend on what attorney you go to. Um, And I've had several clients who come in and say, you know, we're shopping around and there's no harm or, you know, shame in that at all. If they want to meet with several different attorneys, kind of shop around to get the best price. um, That's definitely an option. There's a wide range of prices out there. Um, And you also want to make sure that whatever attorney you do go to um, gives you an estimate of the time period because there are some attorneys who who do not guarantee um, the short time period. And that is really stressful too, as as a consumer, as you know, we use a variety of services that we outsource for, you know, podcast production, hey Vinny, um, and to you know our graphic design and all kinds of things. And so, looking at that hourly rate, and then also. Working with someone that you trust that is, you know, well-credentialed and that works quickly, I think is really important because, I mean, anyone can drag out that process. So looking for someone reputable is super important, which is why we wanted to talk to you because we've admired your work and known you for a very long time and would love to get the word out about, you know, lawyers that are doing it right and that really care about their clientele. Yeah. And I will just add on um, – for the pricing. So for mm-hmm. estate planning, I do charge flat rates. Oh. Um, unless the client specifically wants hourly, which mm-hmm. I am more than happy to do. Um, so most of my estate planning is a flat rate. So after that free initial consultation um, where we discuss all the family situations, I then give at the end of that the rate, exactly what it would cost from start to finish um, so that the clients know exactly what the cost is going to be. There's not going to be any surprises or hidden costs in there. Well, that's peace of mind. Yeah. And you don't have to stress about a surprise bill coming, you know, coming up and 
yeah, wrecking and your Christmas. And it's probably based on too, family size, the complexity, mm-hmm. I would assume. So somebody that's maybe a single person setting up mm-hmm. estate planning versus a very complex family situation would be pretty different Correct. in terms of cost. Correct. Yeah, hence why the ballparking. Yeah, and I bet especially with the, the amount of assets too, mm. the, is it a mo money, mo problems kind of thing? <laughs> it's more difficult. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> especially was correct. <laughs> Thank you. I have to drop a little bit of biggie every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is another thing to point out. You know, if people have – low or fixed income, it still is very important to consult with a lawyer because there are so many different, you know, problems that can go wrong when you have a sudden passing or even when someone passes away and they they know that they're not going to make it. Um, What do you recommend are the most basic, crucial services that anybody, regardless of income, should save for and plan for? That's a loaded question too, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you're talking about my services in particular. Uh Um, so generally I would say a will, um, at the very, very least, um, the power of attorneys, um, some people, you know, if there's, if it's a single person with one child and they want to leave everything to the child, well, state law is going to do that anyway. So if it's a low income person, maybe it's not doing a will, just mm-hmm. relying on the state law in that situation mm-hmm. and then just making sure the power of attorneys are in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it really depends on the family situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people um, would require a will at the very least. And so if somebody just wants that guidance of, of what they should be doing, they can come to you for a free consultation and you could give them a recommendation. Correct. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that a lot of people assume is that, oh, you know, let's say I'm married and maybe I have one kid or maybe no kids or maybe two kids. Anyway, they d- would just think, you know, if I pass away, well, everything goes to my spouse and then maybe it goes to my kids. What are things that are maybe like common assumptions that people think, oh, just this is what would happen and everything would be fine and easy that you've seen that have actually caused big problems? The biggest assumption is that if I die, everything goes to my spouse. In the state of Washington, that is not necessarily true. Oh, no. What? That is not necessarily true. So we better consultation. Yeah. So in the state of Washington, anything that is community property that was bought during the marriage would indeed go to the surviving spouse. But if it's a second marriage or a later in life marriage where one or both of the spouses brought in significant property to the to the marriage, that does not go only to the spouse. It goes if there's children, half to the spouse, half to the children. If there's no children, three quarters to the spouse and a quarter to the parents of the spouse who passed away or the siblings. If there are no parents, it would go to the siblings. So um, that that is a very common assumption that is not necessarily true. Better get on it. Yeah. Okay. Life flashing in my eyes right now. (laughs) Do you have a way to sign up digitally for an appointment? I do. If you go to my website, uh, www. Do I need to say it? Oh yeah. Yes. Please go for it. (laughs) www.tate-lawoffices.com. There is a button. Um, It's 
pretty, you know, on every web page, every page of the website you go to, there should be a button to say schedule a consultation. You can book it directly through there, um, get on the calendar and, or you can just call our office as well. Um, talk to one of my paralegals, 509-994-1599 and get it scheduled that way as well. Excellent. And we'll put this all in the show notes too. So if you're driving and you're, you don't want to take this down, obviously you should not. Keep your hands on the wheel, please. Um, you can check out our show notes and click over and also give her a call too. Absolutely. And now we get to the fun part of the program, the yes. Fast Five. Fast Five. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to go first? We're both like looking We're at so each other. We're so excited. You go first. <laughs> do it? I don't know. Um, all right. I will ask the first question. With your background in sports – if you could only watch one sport for the rest of your life, what would it be? It would be football. What? Be really? Football. What yeah. team is your favorite? Yeah. The Houston Texans. Oh, oh, I did not expect that. I feel like that. that's a big jump from where you went to school and yeah. why them? J.J. Uh, Watt, actually. Oh. I'm a huge fan of J.J. Watt and I didn't have a team. When I started watching him and became a fan, so I just adopted his team. And now he's not even there, but oh. I bought all this stuff, so I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I love that, too. Um, what is your favorite hiking spot in eastern Washington? Ooh. Mount Spokane's pretty. I do enjoy going to Mount Spokane. That's a good one. Yeah. I love Mount Spokane. I haven't been skiing there yet, and I've got to go. I just saw them at the Inlander Winter Party, and I am so excited. I didn't know they were a state park. They aren't a for-profit business. They are a state park. That's awesome. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah, I had no clue. Um, What is the last place that you traveled? Oh, I've traveled so much this last year. What was the last one? Um, I believe it was Houston, actually, to go to a game. (laughs) That's fun. Yeah. Do you use Southwest when you go? Is it like pretty direct? Or? No, I use uh, United is okay. where I usually fly. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think they have a hub there, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure they <laughs> Where's your favorite place to eat around town? You know, it's a it's a little hole-in-the-wall place. Um, it's called Dos Amigos. It's a Mexican oh. place on Trent Avenue by Trenton Pines. It is very authentic, very good. The uh, owners know my family by name, they know our orders. Yeah, it's a it's a great little place. So we actually know each other because I used to work with your mom at Trent Elementary. Shout out to Mary Tate at Trent and all of those cute little Trent nights. Um, what is your favorite memory with your mom? There are so many to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the vacations we would take as as kids. Um, we every summer. My parents, because both my parents worked in the in schools, mm-hmm. so they both had the full summers off. So we would take long, long, long road trips every summer. Um, Disneyland. We went to the Green Bay Packers Stadium the one year. Um, so those were just very, very good memories um, from childhood. You have such yeah. sweet parents, Mary and Ernie. You're the cutest couple. Oh my goodness. Aww. I love getting to see them together. Well, we are so grateful that, one, we got to borrow you for a little bit and have you on the show. And, two, we're excited to get to work with you because estate planning is so important. And we hope that all of our listeners either have a plan in place or they're going to call someone. And if you need someone to call, Catherine Tate would be the perfect person. So look in the show notes for how to get in touch with her. And we hope that you have a great rest of your week. This is a disclaimer for Catherine Tate. No attorney-client relationship is created by this ad or your use of this ad. 
neither your receipt of information from this ad nor your use of this ad to contact Tate Law Offices PLLC here and after the firm or one of its lawyers creates an attorney-client relationship between you and the firm. You will become a client of the firm only if you sign an engagement agreement setting forth the scope of the firm's engagement, the fee arrangement, and other relevant matters. As a matter of policy, the firm does not accept a new client without first investigating for possible conflicts of interest and obtaining a signed engagement letter.